I'm Sarah Lee, and this is the Influence Watch podcast. Yesterday, three years after the COVID pandemic lockdowns began, American Federation of Teachers Union President Randy Weingarten, who many feel was the public face of extended school lockdowns, testified in front of the House Select Subcommittee on the Coronavirus Pandemic. Weingarten, who had spent most of her time during the pandemic loudly decrying attempts to reopen schools, calling plans from the last administration to reopen in late 2020 callous and cruel, struck a decidedly different tone before Congress, insisting her goal was always getting kids back to in-person instruction, an assertion that was rather hilariously fact-checked by Twitter's community notes on Thursday. Here to discuss the hearing are my colleagues Mike Watson and Parker Thayer. Hi, guys. Hi, Sarah. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, Parker, for coming on. I know we kind of pulled you in last minute. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about this. Um, I actually watched the hearing um, so that you didn't have to. Um, And, uh, you know, the thing that stuck out to me the most before we get into the meat of it was she she was sort of flip-flopping between this sort of victimization thing. I'm 65. I don't remember exactly when the Biden administration took my suggestions for guidance. And then when she would get a uh, sort of a friendly question from one of the Democratic um, House members, she would get a little bit snarkier and and, uh, you know, kind of standing up. for her principles and beliefs on this situation, keeping the schools closed when she did or or calling for them to be closed. So that stuck out to me, but some of her uh, responses obviously were um, erroneous at best. So uh, Mike, let's start with you. This is a subject that you are extremely familiar with. You've written a lot about it. Uh, You are our, you know, union expert. So tell me what you know about some of what she was saying yesterday. Um, you can start with the community notes fact check if you want, because that was that was pretty delicious. Yeah. So again, I I, I didn't watch the hearing. Thank you, Sarah, for watching it for me. Um, <laughs> no problem. But you know, I fo- I was following along the commentary, and she, like so many now, that it has been demonstrated by evidence that the school closures were grave error, uh, denied any responsibility for them. Um, Now, this is not a new rhetorical trick by Weingarten. I want to be clear about this. She has insisted for a very long time, I wrote back in May of 2021, a piece for Capital Research Center, Beware Teachers Unions Bearing School Reopening Talk, Because she had just had a puff piece back then in the New York Times about how, you know, the American Federation of Teachers, Randy Weingarten, were all for making sure the schools were open and stayed open back in 2021 after, you know, at this point, vaccines were available for, I want to say, three or four months. Mm -hmm. The So the idea that the teachers unions have been trying to spin that they were for reopening schools from the very beginning, not new. This is their this is a used rhetorical trick. Mm-hmm. And it's based on a mis I mean you could call it a misrepresentation uh in that article I use a a farmyard term the uh but what you end up with is a situation where 
Weingarten's being hyper-literal, that in the fullness of time, if all the proper procedures were followed, right. schools could open. <laughs> yeah. But She reiterated that yesterday, by the way. Uh, we need funding, we need better ventilation, things like that. Yeah, and and so... You know, she this she is, she would assert that yeah, I wanted schools open. I just wanted them open with thirty seven, you know, or however many uh, of these conditions met. And well, you only met ten of them, so that's your that's on you. Now, yeah. she wanted she wanted the schools reopened in the same way that a hostage taker wants the hostage situation resolved peacefully. Right. All the, all the, I was always for the hostages being let go as long as you met my demands <laughs> that were absurd and insane and impossible to achieve. And if we had, a, you know, I, I can't remember the exact details of the uh, teachers unions demands at the time of, uh, you know, the peak uh, COVID hysteria. Um, but I remember there were some ones that were truly insane, uh, you know, students being 10 feet apart at all times during classroom instruction. I oh, believe, oh they, they go for they go further. They, they go further than the classroom, Parker. If you go back to like yeah. 2020 <laughs> with the United Teachers Los Angeles, you know, they want to defund the police before they reopen schools. Yeah. Which will somehow fix COVID, I'm sure. Well, and you know, they were also ever-changing because one of the things that I thought was really interesting uh, about their guidance, which she 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 sort of um, euphemistically said, well, well, the Biden administration wanted um, ideas, not suggestions on the guidance, right? That was... Her, did she not... She used the phrase language. I yes. Think. They just wanted language as if words don't mean things. Yeah, which, right. And I mean, if you're educated by one of Randy Weingarten's schools, they really don't mean anything. Right. Well, good point. Um, but yeah, one of the suggestions or ideas or language, you know, strings of words, language um, that actually made it into the guidelines that had not been there had to do with if there was a new variant, these could change. And this was prior to Omicron, Right. I think that happened in February 2021 that these suggestions were made and and included. And then Omicron, lo and behold, pops up in November. So, yeah, I mean, they were ever changing hostage demands. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I've been, uh, you know, I've thought about a lot. And and this is a question that our our union expert, Mike Watson, can answer for me and for our listeners um, is kind of. Uh, you know, a rundown of how the unions materially benefited um, and, and the union members materially benefited from uh, the regulations that, you know, as, as Randy testified uh, at the hearing, they were providing language for, uh, you know, how did how big of a boon were these uh, measures for the union? I mean, it's hard to say materially, but you can say immaterially. I mean, the the fight over school closures during the 2020 elections. I mean, you had, you know, uh, I think it was Center for American Progress Action Fund, you know, Neera Tandon, who is now rumored to be the, to replace Susan Rice as the Biden administration's domestic policy advisor. Wow. Uh, You know, they were putting out ads, you know, attacking because the Trump administration wanted to try to get the schools as open as they could. Uh, you know, and they were attacked for, um, you know, the teachers unions, uh, you know, and then when the Biden administration comes in, uh, the teachers unions with the assistance of Biden administration officials like Tony Fauci, uh, made it clear that unless they got their funding, the, the, Mm -hmm. the, the, 
not build back better or what the one before inflation reduction act the 20 was it infrastructure not infrastructure the american rescue, rescue plan, plan. Uh, yeah. the, you know, unless they got the American rescue plan, they weren't going to have the ventilation or the masks or the testing that they needed to get the schools. Yeah. And then, I mean, Which, I mean, Parker, course. you mentioned a hostage taking, that's a good analogy, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because yeah. once they were out and the default was they stayed out, they could hold out because mm-hmm. they were still getting paid. They were still yeah. officially working from home. Or if you're the, whatever the, was it the communications director of the Chicago Teachers Union who was calling for school closures from a beach in Puerto Rico? <laughs> That's uh, right. I forgot about uh, that. Well, see, now we're talking about material benefit. That sounds like a material <laughs> yes, it does. benefit. I was actually struck, and Mike, uh, I'll throw this one at you as well. And Parker, you can jump in if you want. And this came out of the Twitter community notes fact check, which I think we should talk about. That The website yeah. from AEI, American Enterprise Institute, that actually looked at the states that where unions were most active uh, on this issue are the ones that kept the lockdowns longer. They were more uh, draconian and they were longer, uh, which I did not know, but AEI tracked that. Did yeah, you guys no, see that's, that? That's, that's been... Yeah. That that it that confirms research that's been that's been out there, and it confirms what we kind of already knew. If you looked at, you know, who are the states that had the worst school openings? Maryland, which has extraordinarily strong teachers unions. California, which has extraordinarily strong teachers unions. Oregon, which has extraordinarily strong teachers unions. And Washington State, which has extraordinarily strong teachers unions. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and then if you get to the local level, like Chicago, extraordinarily strong teachers union. What were the states that reopened? Georgia, which at least I, I believe has no public sector collective bargaining, but I may be wrong. I, uh, that sounds right. It's I mean, uh, it's definitely a right to work state. Yeah, it, but I it's don't know. it's a it's a weak union state. It may I may I may have to actually look this up if it's one of the no public sector. And actually, Mike, at the end of this, uh, because I do want to get into the Twitter notes uh, part of this, yeah. but I also would like to, to hear your thoughts, because this is something we talk about quite a bit lately, on why this might, you know, what the teachers unions did related to COVID lockdowns, school lockdowns, why that kind of informs, if it does, your position on the conservatives flirting with unions generally. Yeah, yeah um, I, that's, uh, that's an, in, that we can, we can move on to that to that later. But yeah, no, they, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure Georgia is one of the, one of the, uh, government workers can't unionize states, uh, other state, other states that reopened Florida, which though it has, uh, teacher bargaining, uh, has relatively weak unions and a, uh, state government that is, uh, skeptical of union influence. In fact, just this week, the state legislature passed and sent to the governor's desk, a major teachers union reform legislation uh, modeled, but superior to the one that was passed in Wisconsin in 2011. It would require uh, teachers unions to show that they have super majority support of the, of the workers in order to continue collective bargaining uh, and limit their ability to deduct union dues directly from paychecks. You know, the States that pushed back against the teachers unions, they got their schools open. And the states that yielded to the teachers yeah. unions, their schools were closed. Right. So so let me just, that begs a question or raises a question. I'm sorry to misuse that phrase. And then Parker, I want to ask you about the Twitter community notes. 
Do you think that they went too far uh, with the school lockdowns? Do you think that the unions are going to suffer from this, even in states that are particularly strong, like California and Maryland, et cetera? They're not. I mean, it's a big, it's a big like pyramid, uh, like, like in like the Egyptian pyramids, you know, this giant pyramid of stone and the erosion <laughs> isn't going to be coming from the Maryland's and the California's and the Oregon's, but it's already happening in, for lack of a better word, the red States, because you've seen mm-hmm. over the past three years, I think by the end of this legislative session, they may get as many as 10 states that will have universal school choice of some form or another. Okay. And for the teachers unions, that is a five alarm fire. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's, it is really, you talk about the, the unions suffering from this, you know, I think every everyone was awakened to the fact that these unions, which for years have pretended we're we're fighting for America's children by advocating for more uh, funding in education, uh, which by by which they really mean they're advocating for more funding for themselves. Um, a lot of people were awakened to that, and the, the unions are suffering not just from the laws that are being passed, but from parents who are making their own individual decisions to pull children out of the schools. You know, public schools across the country have seen dramatic decreases. Uh, not only in in-person attendance, but also in enrollment. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of parents are choosing homeschooling, private schools, charter schools, um, anything essentially that isn't controlled by and the union. And there's another. Uh, so and there's another. They're, they're really feeling the burn now. And there's another uh, issue that the teachers' unions are getting pushback on now because the parents who had to proctor the at-home virtual school lessons got to see what was being mm-hmm. taught. That is yeah. why you have things like Florida's parental rights and education law uh, and yes. the other states that have followed that have followed uh, similar models. Uh, and the teachers unions have vowed to fight this uh, because they support the left wing ideologies that were being taught. Right. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's the strangest thing about the covid lockdowns is that may have been this sort of silver lining, you know, there might've been several, but that was definitely one of them that teachers, that parents all of a sudden were like, you know, looking over their, literally looking over their children's shoulder and being like, what on earth are you learning? And that's made a difference. Um, But Parker, let's move on to the community notes thing. Um, Randy, Um, there's a great tweet where Randy, you know, there's a, there's a tweet from the the free beacon, which is what was fact checked where, you know, she's, she's, she's gotten a friendly question and she's like, we, I was fighting since February, 2021. We really just wanted to get kids back to in-person. She also put out a tweet herself, which I think was also fact checked where she's like, here are all my words throughout the time, you know, of, you know, COVID where I was saying, I, we just want to get back to school. So tell me a little bit, because I think this also, wraps into this sort of new Twitter 3.0 or whatever it is now, uh, whatever number we're on with Twitter, um, about how it's working and um, sort of it's, it's kind of providing a service that we didn't have before. So tell me about that. Uh, so right now, uh, Randy Weingarten, if you go to her Twitter page, she has a, a tweet pinned to the top of her profile, something that she's apparently very proud of. It says, Republicans on the House COVID subcommittee want you to think I wanted to keep schools closed. 
here's what I actually said over and over again. And underneath it is a video of rather deceptively edited uh, clips from her numerous uh, news appearances during the COVID pandemic um, in which it is edited out uh, so that only the portions about her saying that schools need to be opened um, are included. Now, what's not included in those many videos, as the Community Notes users pointed out oh so eagerly, is the uh, demands that we previously mentioned, uh, you know, that we go back to that analogy of the hostage taker, who is very pro hostages being released, but only if his demands are met. Um, the Twitter users uh, on Community Notes pointed out, uh, Rheingarten is misrepresenting her prior position. She called attempts to reopen schools in the fall of 2020 reckless, callous, and cruel. And that is also, that has a one article linked underneath it. Then the next fact check is her union pushed aggressively at the local level for schools to remain closed, which also has its own link and source for a fact check. Uh, again, there's another fact check underneath it that says areas with high union influence remain closed much longer, which we just mentioned, uh, and that is also linked, and that they continued to remain closed in 2022, which of all places links to the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the community notes, uh, the, frankly, the community notes <laughs> fact check is longer than her actual tweet. Uh, so the community notes feature is doing its job of stapling a fact check somewhere near the length of the Bible to Randy Weingarten's I mean, forehead in response to her lies. And, and, and you know, I mean, it's her, great I mean, to see her, that. Her, her I mean, game, I don't know how you guys feel about it, but... It is also great to see her... I mean, her game throughout her all this school closure, school reopening debate has been delay, circumlocution, and obfuscation. And what the, commu- what the community note provides... I mean, I, I personally have what the community you know, provides like is an ability for people to try to cut through that delay cir- circumlocution and obfuscation uh, and, and get to the truth of the matter, which is that the teachers unions were the principal special interest group involved in keeping the schools closed once they were closed. So on the community notes, um, sub issue subject, um, are we going to see more and more of this? And and what effect does that have on like a, a Randy Weingarten who never, you know, she's like, I'm not going to apologize. I did nothing wrong. I, I think it will continue to happen. Whether or not it will have an effect on Randy Weingarten uh, is really a question because that would presume the ability for her to feel any kind of shame. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about unions in general, um, and the conservative flirtation with them. Now, this is a subject that I want us to be circumspect about because I know Mike is quite passionate about it. Um, and some of the people who are flirting with it are, uh, you know, other um, sort of organizations that we are friendly with and we like their work. And so I want us to be kind and thoughtful. But Mike, talk to me about, especially in light of what the teachers unions did during COVID, what this kind of flirtation with unions in, in general, why it concerns you? It concerns, it concerns me because unions are not conservatives' friends. It doesn't matter whether you, you know, are a free marketer or on, more on the pro-business side like I am or whether you're more on a social conservative side uh, and more open to state intervention in the economy – they are still against your values. And what we saw from the teachers unions is that not only for the 
material interests of their members, but also for the ideological interests of their staff cadres, they will put those interests before the public good. And again, I don't understand how a conservative would think that those interests relate to their interests. Parker, do you have some thoughts on that before we close out? Um, I would say, you know, the, the, the bull moose populist kind of wing uh, that is, I, I don't know how the conservative movement dealing with the unions as they are now. I mean, for, for example, the conservative movement right now is diametrically opposed to most branches of the federal government. Um, you know, things like the FBI, uh, the Department of Education, they are not redeemable to the point where m- numerous mainstream conservatives and even people on the populist side of the conservative party are calling for the abolition of these departments of government precisely because they are occupied by a bureaucratic force that is entirely opposed to any traditional American values or any system of governance consistent with that created by the constitution. They, they, they do not want to remain functionally America. They, they would much prefer to be a different society entirely. That same that same problem infects the teachers' unions and will not be fixed no matter how much pandering you do to them. Mm-hmm. The same union officials that created the COVID lockdowns will remain in charge. The same ideologies that possess the unions uh, will continue to command the, the, the political bent of these unions. I, I don't think they are redeemable. And it's not just, and it's, and, and there, there's, there's one point, there's one point I want to make before before we get off this and that is that, that it's yeah, not it just the government worker unions the 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 pri- the the private sector unions may not be just as bad but they are bad too uh you know using a a covid lockdown example you know the the mask mandate on airplanes lasted as long as it did in part because the association of flight attendants led by sarah nelson a close ally of the biden administration yeah. uh wanted it that way and uh, you know, I mean, I mean, and if, if you look at it from sort of enemy of my en- enemy of my adversary, my adversary is my friend, uh, or a friend of my adversary is also my adversary. I mean, Parker, you're up there in Michigan where the Democrats got their first trifecta in 30 years. And what's the well, first not thing only they, they did to was get rid of right to make union subsidized for not just the government, you know, government union dues are already technically subsidized by the government, uh, Private sector union dues will be paid for at the expense of, if the legislation proposed passes, at the expense of everybody who is not in a union. I mean, the, the unions are not your friend. They are not go. It, they don't hate conservatives because of beliefs that the conservatives currently hold that conservatives will be willing to or are able to compromise on. There is no compromise to be had. They will continue to hate conservatives for the things that conservatives are not willing to compromise on forever. Okay, well, I think that this is a whole show in and of itself, which I expect us actually to probably cover sometime in the future, because listeners, if you're not aware, this is becoming a debate on the conservative side um, that, you know, maybe we should start uh, playing with the unions a little bit um, because we're becoming the party of the working man. And that's something that uh, that some conservatives think is a good idea. This isn't to throw shade on them. All things are debatable. 
we just have a particular um, uh, view on this. And so I expect us to continue talking about it. But for today's show, um, thanks guys so much for talking about this. I think we are in agreement that Randy kind of stepped in it yesterday. (laughs) And it was maybe good to see. I don't know. I don't know where this goes. Um, But listeners, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can find this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And as Mike always says, please give us a five-star rating. That really helps us out. Um, And tune in next week. We should have another riveting um, show. I think we have an outside guest next week. So guys, thanks for joining me. And we'll talk again in a a week or so. (music) Thank you.